I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, I take you to Little Petra in Jordan, where I experienced firsthand the joys and meaning of Bedouin hospitality. Ibn Khaldun was known to be a very generous man. As the leader of a tribe that won numerous wars, he divided all his wealth and land amongst his people. He belonged to the Balga tribes of Jordan. They are the Bedouins who have inhabited the desert for centuries. If he was wearing a cloak and there was a man without one, he would take off his cloak and give it to him. So they called him naked for he was always without clothes. His reputation spread far and wide into the desert by the way of poetry. They would compose poems and sing them on their spike fiddles. The poets began to sing in the honor of Ibn Khaldun. These poems made their way to Ibn Rashid of the Rashid tribe in the Arabian Peninsula. He wanted to know the generosity of Ibn Khaldun for himself and sent a delegation of poets to bring back a reliable report. The delegation rode off on camels and horseback traveling through Syria, Palestine and finally reaching Jordan. When the poets found him, he was not a man of many means. He was a simple man living in a goat hair tent and he owned nothing apart from a few goats, a few sheep and a horse. The delegation was upset but approached Ibn Khaldun anyways in line with Bedouin hospitality customs one would host a stranger for 3 days and a third before even asking his name Ibn Khaldun did the same however the poets had expected the generosity of a rich man and were disappointed eventually when the time came to leave one of the poets was without a horse for it had died along the way Ibn Khaldun offered his horse to the poet and urged him to ride it and then He did something totally bizarre. He put the saddle on the horse and then brought his children. He put his son in the right saddle bag and his daughter on the left. And he asked the poets to return. The poets were flabbergasted and protested. Ibn Khaldun drew his sword and said, "If you take them out of the saddle bags, I'll cut off your heads. Now go." So they went. As they stopped along the way to eat with the Bani Sakhr tribesmen, they were inquired about the children. On hearing the story, the tribesmen asked the children to be handed over to them. In exchange for the girl, the Bani Sakhr tribesmen gave to the poets her weight in gold. The poets carried on. They met another tribe, and the tribe, in exchange for the boy, gave his weight in gold. The tribesmen had only one objective. They wanted to return Ibn Khaldun's children to him. There was no way in which a man so noble and generous could lose his children. So while the poets traveled back with pots of gold, the children were safely returned to ibn khaldun this story is a part of the cherished oral history of the balga tribes of jordan sure it's absurd and bizarre i mean which father would give away his children to strangers and threaten to cut off their heads if they refused but the story's ultimate aim is to bring to the fore the idea of karam or the bedouin notion of hospitality centuries after ibn khaldun my partner and i found ourselves in little petra also known Asik Al Barid or the Cold Canyon. We had arrived from Amman just as the sun was setting, and found ourselves to be the only people staying at a Bedouin camp. There was no mobile network, 
and you were bang in the middle of the desert with no other sign of civilization around. The only people we met were three Bedouins who spoke no English. The clear desert sky was painted with stars and there were canyons all around us. It seemed as if the place was unchanged from centuries ago. Our tent consisted of two cots with a light bulb and just one charging point. We rested apprehensively, not knowing what to expect. Later in the evening, Hussein, the leader of the Bedouin tribe, arrived and he invited us to the main area of the camp. By then, two other travelers had arrived as well and we all sat down to speak. Hussein picked out a few Yemeni's coffee beans and started roasting them. He spoke English and told us about how a guest can come any time and a Bedouin has to offer them coffee. Once the coffee was roasted to his satisfaction, he picked up the wooden mortar and pestle and started pounding the coffee. And then he started singing. Here we were, two Indians, an American, a Britisher, and Hussein, the Bedouin leader. We all came from different worlds, but at that moment, as Hussein sang and pounded coffee, we were just a bunch of people in an ancient part of the world enjoying Bedouin hospitality. He spoke to us about the rituals of drinking coffee. The guest is always served first, and the coffee has to be drunk in no more than three sips. One could ask for up to three refills, after which the cup had to be passed on. The reason being, that Bedouins would not own many cups, and to ensure that everyone had their fill, the cups had to be washed and reused. If you don't want a refill, simply tilt your cup from side to side two or three times as you hand it back. If you do want to top up, just hold your cup out for more. The drinking of coffee is hugely symbolic in Bedouin culture. The first cup is known as Ladhyaf, for the guest to indicate hospitality. The second is Lakyaf, for the mood to indicate a relaxed atmosphere. The third is lasyaf for the sword to show that any animosity has evaporated. Then and only then can social interaction or discussion begin. As we finished our coffee and were about to call it a night, we were ushered by Hussein into a small museum which chronicled the history of the tribe. It seemed like an odd idea to see the museum at night, but Hussein was insistent. When we got back to the main area, we saw that the entire path was lit up with candles. As my partner and I walked through, we saw a cake which said, Happy Honeymoon. We felt overwhelmed. We had only mentioned to them in passing that we were on our honeymoon. But imagine, we were in the middle of the desert at least 25 kilometers from the nearest city. The Bedouins must have driven in the evening to Petra, bought a cake and drove back on the desert roads with no streetlights. This was not the saccharine sweet hospitality of five-star hotels, but the time-honored idea of Karam, the ethos of Bedouin hospitality. In Bedouin culture, hospitality cannot be calculated. Karam signifies not only the provision of food, shelter and security to the guests, but also nobility of character which makes generosity possible. The generous one is known as Al-Kareem Habibullah or the one who is beloved to God. It is a compliment to say of a man who forgets his prayers but treats his guests well that hospitality is his religion or Al-Karam Dinu is probably what the world needs today. Only if we could treat the stranger with the generosity of the Bedouins, not only in our actions but also in our thoughts, would we make the world a better place. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter 
and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YV Travel 42 on Instagram.